Welcome to Friendship with God. Today, Tom Cantor will teach us from Genesis chapter 25 on the two nations and two manners of people that Esau and Jacob represented in the womb of their mother, Rebecca, and how they had two great interests and two ways of thinking. Now, we're several weeks into the Summer Blitz. What is the Summer Blitz? It's a Jewish evangelism outreach campaign to reach lost Jewish people. Over 700,000 doors of lost Jewish people around the U.S. and Canada in 15 different cities with 111 missionaries. And we're out to give lost Jewish people information on how the Jewish Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ, is Jehovah God who came to become a man to save them. And all the prophecies and fulfillments and information that will help them come to that understanding as God removes that veil and they receive him as their Savior. We take that message to them, not knowing who's ready to receive him by their own free will, but we bring it to them around the nation with our missionaries. Some of them are full-time, part-time, and volunteers. We have 111 out there right now until August 3rd, full-time trying to reach lost Jewish people in these major Jewish cities. If you'd like to support Jewish evangelism and the gospel, not only just going to the Gentiles, but the Jew first, we want to encourage you to support Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries with Tom Cantor. You can do so by sending a donation of any amount to us at 800-247-3051, 247-3051, and also consider being a monthly sponsor. We have evangelists that and missionaries that work full-time, and we need your support to continue them being out there and being productive with reaching lost Jewish people in malls, in colleges, in retirement homes, in places where we go to to get our missionaries in to reach lost Jewish people before it's too late. Support Jewish evangelism through this Bible teaching radio program and Israel Restoration Ministries. Again, 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051, or friendshipwithgod.org. Now here's Tom Cantor teaching us from Genesis chapter 25 on the two nations and two manners of people that Esau and Jacob represented in the womb of Rebekah. It was hard for Rebekah to go pray to God. She had to lech, she had to halah to go to pray to God. And then when Rebekah breaks through, this obstacle, or whatever obstacles there were keeping her from prayer, uh, then she goes to God, then God answers with a profound answer. And the answer that God gave wasn't just a clinical diagnosis. Well, let me tell you what's wrong. No, no, no. The explanation that he gave far extended beyond her particular clinical condition there. And God's explanation to Rebecca was both a prophecy and a fundamental explanation for the great conflict between all men ever born on earth and who will ever be born on earth who fall into two basic categories. The two categories that he's referring to here. And I'd like you to look carefully at these verses here, verses 22 through 24, because there's a fundamental point that's stated four times in these verses, 22 to 24. This point is emphasized because it's stated once in verse 22, twice in verse 23, and once in verse 24. What's the point? What's the point that's being stated once in verse 22, twice in verse 23, and once again in verse 24? What is it? What is stated once in verse 22, repeated twice? It's in her. It's in her. See, verse 22 says, within her. Verse 23 says, in thy womb. It says it again, from thy bowels. And verse 24 says, in her womb. See, look how dramatic this emphasis is, especially in verse 24, when it says, when her days to be delivered were fulfilled, behold, there were twins in her womb. Well, when she's giving birth, there aren't twins in her womb at that point, because they're born. 
But it's talking about the birth, telling us this important point, there were. Behold, there were. The important part to see in verse 24 is at the time of delivery, it was seen that there were twins in her womb. See, with those words, behold, there were twins in her womb, it's saying, it's saying, oh, look, there were twins in her womb. Oh, look, that's why she had this grace thrusting forward. She had twins in her womb. See, the point that's emphasized four times in these three verses is that the children were inside Rebekah. And God had this great conflict go on between her children and her womb to teach a point, to drive a point. These children who are in conflict are as close and as related as naked twins pressed up against each other in their mother's womb. They're that close to each other. They're pressed together. And the point of the struggling children being within her, in her womb, in her bowels, it teaches us a fundamental truth, which is stated in, in Romans 9, 6-7. They are not all Israel, which are of Israel. Neither because they are the seed of Abraham are they all children, but in Isaac shall thy seed be called. See, the struggling of the two children inside of Rebekah was designed by God to teach us that at that time that they were not all Israel that were in Rebekah's womb. The struggling of the two children inside of Rebekah was designed by God to teach us today they are not all Israel that are of Israel. They are not all Israel that are in the womb called the Jewish people. Last night I was at a gathering of of Jewish people at a a home, and uh, I was the only Jewish believer in this group. And so as I was circulating around and speaking to my Jewish brethren, my Jewish kinsmen according to the flesh, I thought of how I was as different as Jacob and Esau in the womb. (laughs) I spoke with one Jewish man who was a homosexual, and we looked at his picture book on Israel and his bar mitzvah pictures Then he told me of how he nursed his partner all the way through the horrible death of AIDS. And and he told me how terrible he felt during and after that death. And then I told him how I nursed my wife of 45 years through the horrible death of leukemia. And I told him that, by contrast, how wonderful I felt during and after that because of the Lord's presence and protection. And I told him that what made the difference for me was the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. I explained to him that as the song says, that when we want to express to someone how much we love them, we take a pen and a paper just to write, I love you. But when God wanted to express how much he loved us, he took three nails and two pieces of wood just to write, I love you. And I told him how the cross just covers a multitude of sins. And then with intention... He looked right at me, and he said, it's not for me. And when he looked at me and said that, I felt like we were the twins in Rebecca's womb. (laughs) We were struggling. So the first point that's emphasized in these verses, in verses 24, 22, 24, was that the struggling children were inside Rebecca. Now, God's explanation to Rebecca in verse 23 was that, and the Lord said unto her, two nations are in thy womb, and two manner of people shall be separated from thy bowels. See, God explained to Rebecca that there were two nations that were in her womb. I mean, can you imagine? You know, I mean, Rebecca's going, what? You know, it's like, I thought it was just a, you know, a normal pregnancy. Two nations? He says two nations. The word nations in Hebrew is the word goyim, or goy for nation. You thought that was a derogatory term? It's not. 
There are other derogatory terms, trust me, but that one's not. <laughs> goy means nation. But the root meaning of the word goy is the word gather or a community of people. See, the root meaning of the word community in English is the word common. So a community of people is a group of people that have certain important things in common. That's what makes them a community. So when God said two nations are in thy womb, he's saying two communities of people. Jacob and Esau represent two communities, two groups of people because of what they had in common. And so from here on out till the end of the chapter, we can focus and we should focus on the differences between Jacob and Esau in order to see what the people of Jacob have in common to make them the Jacob community and what the people of Esau have in common to make them the Esau community. In these verses, we can see the type of person, the persons that, that Esau and Jacob are. First, we see in verse 22 about Esau something very important where it says, and Isaac loved Esau because he did eat of his venison. See, when it says that Isaac did eat of his venison, the word eat there is the Hebrew word peh, which is mouth, the mouth. So in other words, it says bepeh. So in other words, in the mouth. So in other words, Esau's venison, his game, was in Isaac's mouth. So what verse 28 is implying here is that Esau put his venison or his game in Isaac's mouth. And Isaac loved that. He loved that. So in other words, Esau's fellowship is over food. And Esau loves this feeling of satisfying the hunger with food. And the next indication that kind of goes along the same line here is in verse 30, where it says, And Esau said to Jacob, Feed me, I pray thee, with that same red pottage. See, when Esau said to Jacob, Feed me, he used a Hebrew word, which is la'at. And la'at means to swallow. So in verse 30, Esau is saying to Jacob, Let me feel the sensation of swallowing. Let me feel the physical sensation of swallowing. Again, Esau loved this feeling of satisfying hunger or his desire for food with the physical sensation of swallowing the food. He loved the physical feeling of swallowing. In order to enjoy all the more the physical sensations of satisfying these physical desires, Esau exalted these physical desires. Esau exalted his physical desire of his body so he could all the more enjoy the physical sensations of satisfying those desires. We'll return with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God in just one moment. We've been telling you about the Summer Blitz and the Jewish evangelism campaign that's going on around our nation right now with 111 missionaries in 15 U.S. and Canadian cities. And Tom Cantor is the founder of this campaign through Israel Restoration Ministries. And we want your support of any amount, whether one time or a monthly support donation of any amount. You can do so by calling us directly at 800 800- 247 3051 800-247-3051. Now, we'll send you, with a donation of $40 or more, a copy of the Summer Blitz materials that we're handing out, Frequently Asked Questions by Tom Cantor, that book, along with his testimony and prophecy and fulfillments of the Lord Jesus Christ. You'll get these materials as well as his life story on DVD, all for a donation of $40 or more. You can call with your donation of $40 or more. We'll send you this gift, 800-247-3051. Eight hundred two four seven thirty fifty one, 
800-247-3051. Support us with a donation of any amount to keep this Bible teaching radio program and outreach ministry going. See, that's the definition of a sensual person. A sensual person is a person who exalts his physical desires so he can enjoy the sensations of satisfying those desires. That's why Esau here, he's the poster child for a sensual person. Esau was a sensual person because he exalted his physical desires of the flesh, of his flesh, so he could enjoy the sensations of satisfying those physical desires. A sensual person exalts physical desires so he can all the more enjoy the sensations of satisfying those desires. The people of Esau are sensual in that they exalt physical desires of their flesh so they can enjoy the sensual feelings of of satisfying them. All sensual people are part of Esau's community. On the contrary, the people of Jacob debase their physical feelings, as the Lord Jesus Christ said. And when he had called the people unto him and his disciples also, he said unto them, whosoever will come after him, let him deny himself and take up his cross. See, to deny himself is to debase the physical desires. Sensuality is to exalt physical desires, just to exalt sexual desires, to all the more enjoy the physical fulfillment of those sexual desires. See, that's sensuality. And all the people who obey the Lord debase their physical desires to not make their life's enjoyment the, the satisfaction of those desires. They're part of the Jacob community. And so next what we see in verse 23 is that God went on more to explain what made this community of Esau different from the community of Jacob, and it was that they were two manner of people, two communities and two manner of people. Manner is an interesting word. It's an interesting word to describe the difference between the Esau community and the Jacob community because this manner difference can really be explained with really two words, with God versus without God. And so, as it says there in Psalm 10.4, the wicked, through the pride of his countenance, will not seek after God. God is not in all of his thoughts. God's not in any of his thoughts. When the individuals in a community are alone by themselves, so I'm talking about the individuals in these communities, Esau community, Jacob community, when they're all alone by themselves, you can really see the difference. When they are alone, they have two manners of how each one sees the world around them. The Esau people see the world without God. And the Jacob people see the world with God. See, the manner of the Esau people is to say, God has nothing to do with the world around me. The manner of the Jacob people is to say, God has everything to do with the world around me. When they are alone, the two manners of each individual comes out in how they understand their origins. The Jacob people see their origin in God. The Esau people understand their origin without God. See, the manner of the Esau people is to say, God had nothing to do with where I came from. But the manner of the Jacob people is to say and to think, God had everything to do with where I came from. See, when they're alone, the two people say they solve their life problems in different manners. The manner of the Jacob people is to solve life's problems with God in prayer. The manner of the Esau people is to solve life's problems without God. I was telling you about my Jewish friend, and so I told him when I was leading up to the other question, I said, I asked him, I said, what do you do in life when you're really up against a problem that you really don't, you can't solve? You can't solve. What do you do when you do that? And he says, well, I go to others so I can gain ability to solve it. That's an Esau community. That's solving the problem without God. 
The manner of the Jacob community is to pray to God. The manner of the Esau, the people, not to pray to God, go to people. And then where they're alone, the two ways of the two people, two communities, are, can be seen in their hopes for the future. The manner of the Jacob people is to hope with God. The manner of the Esau people is to hope without God. The Esau people hope, they hope without God that, that things will somehow get better. And somehow there's light at the end of the tunnel. Just haven't seen it yet. The Jacob people hope that things will get better based on the Bible, God's Word. When they're alone, the thoughts that occupy the mind show the difference between the two. The grand thoughts that take the attention. See, what they mull on, what they think about. The manner of the Jacob people, they think that their thoughts are all with God as central. The manner of the Esau people is to think grand thoughts without God. The two interests, with God, without God. The two ways of thinking, with God, without God. And then when they're together with others, you can see the difference. When the individual of the community are together with others, the difference can be seen. In their lives with others, they have two manners of enjoying life. The Esau people have no problem enjoying life without God. Versus the Jacob people, they can't imagine enjoying life without God, without studying the Bible, without reading the Bible, without singing songs to God, without going to church. And then there's the two manners of speaking. When you listen, just listen to the Esau people. You never hear any reference to God. But when you listen to the Jacob people, you hear, praise the Lord, thank God, God helped me, etc. And the two manners of, of influencing people. See, the Esau people, they influence people away from God. Either they say it or they just imply it. Look what a happy life I have. I don't need God. I don't need a church. I don't need a Bible. And I'm happy. That's influencing people away from God. Whereas the Jacob people influence people towards God. Like my Jewish friend who was saved just six months ago, and he wrote to me on New Year's Day, and he wrote this. I look forward this year to continue my journey with the Lord and hope to find others that I can help find the Lord too. Now, that's the language of a member of the Jacob community. Now, in verse 23, God goes on to say, by way of prophecy, that the one people shall be stronger than the other people. See, the one stronger people is referring to the elder twin, Esau. And this is a prophecy, and this was fulfilled in Luke 23, 7 through 9. And I'll read that to you. Luke 23, 7 through 9. And as soon as he knew, this is Pilate, as soon as Pilate knew that he belonged unto Herod's jurisdiction, he sent him, the Lord Jesus, to Herod, who himself also was at Jerusalem at that time. And when Herod saw Jesus, he was exceeding glad, for he was desirous to see him of a long season because he had heard many things of him, and he hoped to have seen some miracle done by him. Then he questioned him in many words, and he answered him nothing. Now we know he turned him over to his soldiers who mocked and abused him. Have you ever wondered why the temple in Jerusalem was called Herod's temple? Have you ever asked yourself the question, why would the temple in Jerusalem be named after a Roman named Herod? Well, the answer is Herod was not a Roman. Herod was not a Roman. See, in our chapter here of 25, at the end of verse 30, it says that Esau's name was also Edom. And so Esau is the same as Edom, and the Edomians, or Edomites, are from Esau. And Herod, according to Josephus, was not a Roman. He was an Edomian. So that's why it's called Herod's temple, because Herod had ties to Isaac through Esau. And Herod's family was very strong in comparison to the Lord's poor family of Mary and Joseph. And so we see this when the Lord's family, when they fled out of the land of Israel. Why? Because of the brutality of Herod. And in Matthew 2.13, when they were departed, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto Joseph in a dream, saying, Arise, take the young child and his mother and flee into Egypt and be there until I bring thee word. For Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. 
So when both Herod and Jesus are standing there face to face, it's a look back to the rivals of Jacob and Esau who were skin to skin in Rebekah's womb. And Herod and Jesus standing in front of each other were again after 2,000 years, it's the twin brothers again of Jacob in the person of Jesus and Esau in the person of Herod from the womb. And now they're brought back together again face to face as Herod and Jesus stand there. Herod the ruler, Jesus the captive. We look at that scene and we hear the words of Genesis 25-23. The one people shall be stronger than the other people, but the elder shall serve the younger. See, the people seen in Herod are stronger than the people seen in Jesus, but in a few short years, Herod is going to die from being consumed by worms. And then he'll stand in service before Jesus, who's going to judge him for his sins. But for now, Herod and Jesus, we see in them two opposite manners of people, whose only link is the genetics back to Isaac and Rebekah. Now, the next part of the prophecy in verse 23 says, the elder shall serve the younger. Keep in mind that these prophecies came to Rebekah, not to Isaac. And we can just imagine that, you know, when Rebekah went to Isaac and told her what God said, we can imagine Isaac says, says to himself, I'm not accepting that. I didn't hear it myself. I'm not going to accept it from my over-dominating, controlling wife, because God should have spoke to me directly, not through her. <laughs> and we men tend to resist being told what to do by a wife. You know, it reminds me of my friend who's 67 years old, never been married. I asked him, why you never got married? He says, because I didn't want anybody telling me what to do. Now, we know wives don't do that, do they? <laughs> Nevertheless, God chose Jacob, not Esau. He chose Jacob, not Esau. God chose not Esau, but Jacob, just as God chose not Cain, but Seth. God chose not Nahor, but Abraham. God chose not Ishmael, but Isaac. God chose not the seven sons of Jesse, but David. God chose not the first sons of David, but Solomon. Now, when Esau was born, in verse 25, we read that he he came out red all over like a hairy garment, and they called his name Esau. He must have been some sight. I mean, you know, normally, you know, mothers say, does he have any hair in his head? <laughs> this kid had red hair all over him. He looked like some kind of beast. You know, he comes out, and they name his name Esau, which means rough or tough. He just must have looked like something. And then we saw that he got the name uh, Edom in verse 30, which means red because he desired that red soup that Jacob was making. Red refers back to the earth because the red color of the earth, which ties Esau to the earth, like Adam. Adam also has the name that's related to the color red. Now, we read of Jacob's birth in verse 26. After that, he came out, his brother out. His hand took hold of Esau's heel. His name was called Jacob. And Isaac was three score years old when she bare them. See, the name Jacob has the Hebrew word for heel in it, which is akab, Yaakov, akab, akab. So Jacob means literally the heel catcher, the heel grabber. He's named that because he takes hold of, of Esau's heel. This shows us something of a manner of Jacob. Jacob saw something of value that Esau had and that Esau didn't see any value in. We learn later in this chapter, it's his birthright. It's his birthright. So catching his heel as he's being born is like a prophecy that Jacob would look for his chance to get that birthright from Esau. And we'll see that as we study the rest of the chapter. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for teaching us this morning in your word. And we pray, Lord, that you would make us 
to be not just in word, but in deed, reflectors of the Jacob community, not the Esau community. In Jesus' name, amen. Another great day of studying the Bible and getting closer in our friendship with God here on Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. If you'd like more information on Tom Cantor, go to friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, or look for Israel Restoration on YouTube for more videos and teaching from Tom Cantor, as well as at our website, friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, or go to israelrestoration.org, israelrestoration.org. We've mentioned that Tom Cantor is the founder of this Jewish evangelism outreach ministry, and as the founder, he has helped to develop materials that we give out to Jewish people. Over 5 million pieces of material have gone out around the world, from Israel to South America to Canada and the U.S. and all over where Jewish people are that are lost and need to know the Lord Jesus Christ as their Jewish Savior and Messiah. And Jewish people have been held in Satan's bounds long enough, and these death trains that are taking these Jewish people to an eternal holocaust have to be stopped. There has to be a group of believers that will stand up and say no, never again. And Israel Restoration Ministries and Tom Cantor is doing that through an organized mass effort. And the Summer Blitz going on right now, we need your prayers, but we also need your support financial support to continue airing this Bible teaching radio program and reaching lost Jewish people all over the world and especially America right now in 15 different U.S. and Canadian cities with 111 missionaries. Support us by donating online at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org or israelrestoration.org, israelrestoration.org or call us directly with a donation of any amount at 800-247-3051. 800-247-3051. We have a free gift for a donation of $40 or more as well. 800-247-3051.